Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. I am enjoying the jam. Well, hello, everybody. Happy Tuesday to you. Or should I say happy Tuesdays with Modica? Because that's what we got here, as we do every Tuesday on the Fantasy Baseball Hour. So thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And with me, I'm not lying, Matt Modica. Matt, welcome back to your Tuesday spot on the show. Oh, thank you, Al. I'm feeling terrific today. So let's let's do this. (laughs) All right. Yeah, let's. We uh, don't have any early games on, but we have a, a few games that are uh, scheduled for, uh, I guess, early evening. We got a 5 o'clock, a 6 o'clock, a 6.30. So lineups are starting to dribble in. We've got weather updates and, uh, of course, got a whole bunch of stuff to look back on from yesterday's games. Uh, some, some news, uh, a guy that I affectionately refer to as Cousin Melky. Because his first name sounds like my last name, Melky Cabrera. He's got a new team finally. So, uh, yeah, I agree. Let's get to it. Yeah. And I think, All right, Melky. Yeah, I'm I sorry. It, I think it was a great landing spot for uh, Melky Cabrera, all things considered, where he could have ended up going to the Cleveland Indians. Uh, you know, with Chisholm Hall and stuff, they need another outfielder in that mix. I agree. It's such a good fit. I wonder why it wasn't made earlier, but, you know, better late than never. So, uh, yes, uh, Melky Cabrera with the minor league deal with the Indians, uh, initially reported from uh, or by uh, Hector Gomez of Z101 Digital. Uh, so, I, yeah, I'm not exactly sure how soon we'll see Cabrera. I think there'll be probably a little bit of an adjustment period, but. Uh, yeah, like you said, Matt, definitely a need for him there. Uh, what sort of leagues might you go out right now and try to pick him up in? Uh, I mean, 15 teamers right now. The 12 team, I think it's, you know, I don't know how big your bench is. You'd have to have like unlimited DLs and, and, and a pretty big bench before you're putting him on. But, you know, somebody to monitor as he gets closer and say you get an injury, I would uh, slot him in then. Makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, the White Sox, uh, Cabrera's former team, have placed Avisael Garcia on the DL. He's got a strained right hamstring. They've called up Daniel Palka to take his place. But really the question is who takes his place uh, in, in the outfield uh, in yesterday's game. Uh, he exited early and it was Trace Thompson that came in. 
But uh, at that point, uh, I think it was Wade LeBlanc in the game. So I, I always think of Thompson as just a platoon guy who's, who's going to face lefties. So um, I don't know. I've got my ideas about who might pick up some playing time. But what, what are you thinking? I, I mean, I think it should have been from opening day that uh, that Garcia was the guy. Uh, Laurie. I'm not not Laurie. Uh, L'Oreal. Yes. How, how do you say his name? I, now I can't say his I, name. I, I say Laurie, but Le-Uri, you know, people yeah, we were talking about it earlier on FST. Uh, I think he should have been the guy to begin with. I never got the Adam Engel uh, love. And Nicky Delmonico, <laughs> you can sprinkle him in there too. But I thought Garcia last year was a pretty good player. I agree. Uh, I'm a fan. You're a fan. Nando Defino's a fan. So maybe Nando and I can talk about it more on Nando Thursday. <laughs> so yeah, I, it, that, that, that was going to be my answer too. Uh, it, I'd actually find it intriguing whether it was Garcia or uh, and Leori. We got uh, you know multiple Garcias here. I don't think Willie Garcia is still in their system though. But uh, you know Trace Thompson, either one would be intriguing to me, but uh, both, by the way, are in the lineups uh, lineup for the White Sox. They're the ones hosting the uh, early game today. That's a, a 4-10 central start against the Seattle Mariners and Marco Gonzalez. So you got another lefty in there. So you got Trace Thompson batting seventh in right field, Leori Garcia in left, and uh, our friend uh, Adam the King Engel uh, in center. <laughs> so I don't think he's related to Scott. But... Um, <laughs> no, so he's, that's your, your, he's the only yeah. angle worth knowing about, Scott. <laughs> yeah, so uh, uh, Scott's not in the lineup. Uh, also, Nicky Delmonico not in the lineup with the uh, lefty pitcher on the mound for the, the Mariners. So definitely a, a different outfield alignment for them today. And I'll get to the uh, other lineups that are currently four out right now, including that one. Uh, Byron Buxton uh, looked like he was on the verge of coming back. In fact, in fact, was supposed to be back tomorrow, activated from the DL uh, because of his migraines. But he uh, fouled off uh, fouled off a ball off of his foot and had x-rays taken. Fortunately, they came back negative, uh, but it's probably going to delay Buxton's return. So I would not count on him coming back, back on Wednesday. And for those folks who started him this week, and I think it, it kind of made sense, Given that uh, you know all the reports were saying he was going to be back Wednesday, that kind of stinks for them, because uh, you know now I think maybe you're looking at, at the best uh, the the weekend series for Buxton. Yeah, no, it's not ideal that he's going to miss all that all the games at Yankee Stadium. It would only have been two games there, but you definitely wanted him to get at bats in the Bronx. But if I'm going to look at the silver lining here, the fact that the migraines uh, the migraines seem to be subsiding. Uh, thankfully, the foot was, you know, it was just a foul ball. Doesn't seem anything uh, major. So hopefully the weekend he's fine. Yeah, well, that's a, a good optimistic take on it. And yeah, I mean, it is just a couple of days. Just from the weekly lineup perspective, um, you know, that's, uh, like you said, less than ideal. Christian Villanueva, who um, I talked about on yesterday's show, just in his own right, and also talking about the fact that I subbed him in for Chris Bryant this week. So I sat Chris Bryant. Uh, now, Villanueva was out yesterday for the Padres uh, at Coors Field with the sore hamstring. So uh, that is, uh, of course, going to be one of the later starts. That's going to be uh, 640 Mountain Time, uh, Padres and Rockies. So uh, I don't think we're going to be able to get an update on Villanueva, but this is one of those things that I could see. 
uh, maybe ruining my week and ruining the week of uh, other Villanueva owners because sore hamstring. I mean, that's the sort of thing that I could see could, could keep him out for a few days. And it's a damn shame that it, he's, that they're in cores. I mean, that was uh, you know oh. he's got this power, he's flashing it, and things seem to be coming together for him. And you get the ideal matchup with Coors Field, and, and you know, unfortunately, as you said, it's an injury that is concerning. Yeah, so uh, certainly from your daily lineup perspective, uh, definitely look for a, uh, a replacement. Uh, but at the same time, keep your eyes open for that uh, Padres lineup, uh, which would be out, I would think, a little, you know, probably in a couple hours. Uh, some Angels news and some very good news. Uh, Mike Socia is anticipating that Andrelton Simmons will be able to play today. Uh, he was out uh, with a forearm contusion, uh, so pretty much just. Um, some uh, uh, precautionary move with him. So Angels are at the Astros, though this should be a great one. Otani and Morton, that's a 7-10 central start. So keep check out that lineup uh, and see if uh, Simmons is in it. So, uh, But it looks like you can be optimistic there. Trey Mancini is back to doing baseball activities. He could be in the Orioles lineup today, according to Masson. And that one is not out yet. In fact, none of the lineups from 7 o'clock Eastern on forward are out yet. Uh, uh, Orioles hosting the Rays. That's Cobb and uh, Faria. Uh, that one I would expect might be out before the end of the show. So I will check back. Jonathan Scope, a few more uh, Orioles items here. He resumed baseball activities yesterday. Also, Mark Trumbo played some first base for Double A Bowie last night. Uh, and... Uh, See Zach Britton uh, did uh, some PFP, so he's uh, working his way back. Uh, and Colby Rasmus could start swinging a bat later this week. So uh, those are all updates coming from the Baltimore Sun. Very good news for A. Eugenio Suarez. This one, Matt, really surprised me. I had to kind of read it two or three times to make sure <laughs> I was reading it correctly that uh, Suarez is going to AAA Louisville to start a rehab assignment today. Holy cow. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, great news. That, as you said, that I, I didn't expect it to be this quick. I remember it was like uh, two Sundays ago where he got hit in the hand from a Jamison tie-on pitch. Uh, the thing I'm, thing I'm going to take away from this, if he's going to be back rather shortly, uh, the sense will get moved now to a shortstop or a second base position. Are they going to try and have him play there? Uh, if I'm remembering right, I think he had been playing second. No, he had, but then when he got hurt, they moved him to third. Oh, and the, so I'm just, okay. are they going to switch him back there? I think that's the interesting note. Yeah, no, I haven't seen. I That makes sense to me, I would assume that, since he's not already up yet. But, uh, yeah, that, that would make sense. And, I, you know, I want to pump the brakes on this a little bit because I have not seen anything about a return date for Suarez, uh, a timetable for how long he's going to be in Louisville. So just the fact that he's even starting a rehab assignment puts him ahead of schedule doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be back in a week or so. So we got we do have to keep tabs on that one. Uh, Brandon Drury says he is going to play in a rehab game tomorrow with Scranton Wilkes Bar. That according to uh, Yes Network. Uh, but this is an interesting question because Brandon Drury was pretty much an everyday player when he went on the DL. Now Miguel Andujar and Gleyber Torres are up. Uh, I mean, is he even, you think, a super utility type? At this point, or a bench guy who's really going to struggle to get at bats. 
Uh, I'm going to think initially he's a bench guy that's going to <clears throat> struggle to get at bats. I think by calling up Gleyber Torres, he's going to get every opportunity to succeed. Uh, if he does fail in his first time around and they want to give him more seasoning, that I think is the opening for Drury. Uh, as far as Andujar goes, eight, this past like seven days, eight games, it's pretty amazing. You know, the like, eight doubles, triple, three or four homers. I mean, he's just crushing it right now. Yeah, no, that, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, it's it's not, you know, if you've been stashing Brandon Drury, and I actually have been in one league, uh, I, I think if I need that DL spot, it's pretty safe to let somebody else have it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, too, I sort of chuckled to myself, Matt, because you said, uh, you know, uh, that maybe Torres would, would need more seasoning. And I always, you know, picture, like, Old Bay getting sprinkled on somebody when I hear that. That would be a, appropriate for, like, an Orioles Yes, prospect. that actually would. But, I, look, I picked up uh, – I bid on Torres – not this past week, in the weekend before. And I don't see how the kid fails. He's been able to hit at young ages. And I, I just think he's the future. I don't see him not retaining the second base gig for the rest of the season. I mean, I could be wrong. But the other interesting note about this Twins-Yankees game is Jose Barrios in the Bronx. That's a really good test tonight. Oh, yeah. Now, that's going to be fun. So, uh, yeah, and I agree with you in terms of Torres. Maybe that's wishful thinking, given uh, that I've got him in Tout Wars. But, uh, yeah, I don't. I doubt that they – I mean, like I said, unless he just struggles much more than anticipated, I think he uh, he's up to stay, which, again, you know, just to come full circle, can't really bode very well for uh, Brandon Drury because, of course, Miguel Andahar is, is hitting up a storm as well. A um, couple of notes on pitchers uh, kind of coming back uh, from a longer-term uh, injury. Uh, according to Mark Baird, uh, excuse me, Mike Berardino of the St. Paul Pioneer Press, Irvin Santana is getting close to throwing off a bullpen mound again, so making slow but steady progress there. And Carlos Rodon, somebody I have not talked about on the show in quite a long time, has been on the DL since March 26th, uh, rehabbing a surgically repaired left shoulder. Uh, he threw uh, three innings in an extended spring game, so uh, he is beginning his long road back. Uh, all right, well, uh, I'd allude to some uh, lineups being out. Let me see. Nothing new there, uh, uh, Matt, but let's let's go over the ones that we already went over. The White Sox uh, facing the Mariners and Marco Gonzalez. The Mariners lineup is also out. They're facing Chris Volstad. Wow, class from my past. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> I saw like last week. When the uh, White Sox brought him up, he was pitching out of the bullpen, and now he's in the rotation. <laughs> yeah, can't be stopped. Uh, he's, uh, yep, thrown seven two-thirds innings so far this year, giving up four runs, seven strikeouts. And again, we're talking super small sample here, but Volstad was never a good strikeout guy, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, so anyhow, the Mariners lineup that is going to face Volstad is your usual Mariners, Mariners lineup. Mike Zanino back in there again. He homered for the first time this year on Monday. Uh, so nothing to see there. Yankees lineup is out, uh, as you mentioned, facing Jose Barrios. And I see, well, okay, no uh, Tyler Austin. So Neil Walker at first base. You got the, the kids at the bottom there, uh, Miguel Andahar batting eighth, Glaber Torres batting ninth. So and you got Walker, re- Andahar, Torres. Real quick on like, just the one thing to think about with Glaber Torres is look at Andahar. The first couple of weeks, he really wasn't hitting, and then he got in a groove and he took off. So 
Hopefully, I'm thinking Torres does the same type of thing. Yeah, and that's that very conceivable, and hopefully he gets the chance to get into that kind of groove. I, you know, I'm always suspicious with the Yankees because uh, it just it seems like a lot of times they don't give their prospects a, a fair shot, and they either have to you know go up and down a bunch of times, or or maybe just get traded after you know mm-hmm. failing initially. So. Good to see Andahar get a, a genuine shot. Like you said, uh, hopefully they do the, the same thing with Glaber Torres. By the way, during uh, us uh, talking right there, a whole bunch of other lineups just came in. <laughs> don't, know, don't know that we'll be able to hit them all uh, before the break, which is uh, coming up quickly upon us. But both the Ray, uh, Braves and Reds lineups are out. Brandon McCarthy and Tyler Maley. Uh, just to Winker back in the Reds lineup after being out yesterday. Uh, Hamilton and Duvall are the other outfielders, so no Shebler today. Braves lineup is normal. Still Ryan Flaherty in there at third base. Pirates lineup is out. They're facing the Tigers and Jordan Zimmerman. Uh, you got uh, Adam Frazier leading off and playing second base. And David Freeze facing a righty. Don't see that all too often. And Sean Rodriguez batting eighth and playing shortstop. So a little bit of a, a tweak there for the Pirates. And Blue Jays lineup, they're facing Rick Porcello and the Red Sox. And no uh, Lord Scurriel Jr. I'm pretty pissed off, Al. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, I, I'm, not, I'm not either. I'm, I'm starting him in, in a few leagues. So uh, yeah, Devin Travis batting ninth. Alibis Diaz batting eighth. Oh, well, can't win them all. Solarte at third. That's all the lineups we got. So we got some weather forecasts, too. That might mess all that up. So we'll look at that after the break. Plus, uh, we're going to dig into a few little bits of research uh, I've been doing over the last 24 hours. So so, uh, stick around. We'll be right back. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour, and it is the Tuesdays with Modica edition of the Fantasy Baseball Hour. So Matt Modica here with me all hour long. And uh, as promised, I've got some yucky weather reports to share with you. Uh, We've got some uh, kind of weird early season research to dig into. Uh, And also, I uh, have a a note from uh, DailyRoto.com that I need to share with you all as well so uh of course i've been you know talking about them on the show for uh, quite a while you could dominate your DraftKings and FanDuel major league baseball contests this summer with daily roto's mlb projections and optimizer 
Just go to dailyroto.com slash premium and save 10% with the promo code FNTSY to use all the same tools and projections that Millionaire Maker winner Drew Dinkmeyer uses. And the tools don't just work for football. This is the same site that Drew used for last year's top five $150,000 DraftKings Live final finish. So head on over to dailyroto.com slash premium, save 10% with the promo code FNTSY, and see the results for yourself. All right, so after uh, we, we spent some time looking at lineups, Matt, uh, hopefully uh, the weather's not going to wipe out uh, some of those uh, matchups that we're talking about. Uh, it seems like, well, how's, how's the weather there in New York? Because uh, it looks like that's one of the few places where you might get a game in in the eastern part of the country. Yeah, no, it's been really nice today. It's like 65. It's been sunny. So hopefully uh, we get to keep this beautiful weather a little bit longer. Yeah, now the uh, chance for precipitation for Yankees hosting the Twins, that game we were just talking about last segment, 0% of game time, a little bit later on, but doesn't look like a threat. But, uh, man, Cleveland, 76% chances of precipitation at game time, uh, 48% in Cincinnati for Reds-Braves at game time, 83% for Pirates hosting the Tigers, uh, Phillies hosting the D-backs against all that uh Bad weather from Pittsburgh and Cleveland, Cincinnati is going to be moving east because not bad at game time in Philadelphia for the Diamondbacks, Phillies, but by uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 60% chance, by 3% chance, <laughs> that one looks really bad. Uh, Baltimore and the Rays, that's Faria and Alex Cobb. So, uh Maybe Alex Cobb gets gets the night off, which the way it's been going for him so far might not be a bad thing. But uh, that would be a bonus like a for Alex Cobb. <laughs> yeah, but but it actually is the Rays, so this might be one of the better matchups he gets. <laughs> That's this is very true. So uh, those are all uh, games that you need to keep an eye on as we get closer to uh, first pitch. Uh, so yeah, fortunately, a lot of games uh, to keep an eye on. So uh, Matt, uh, I. Uh, Wrote a couple of pieces since since the last time the show aired yesterday afternoon. Uh, one was for fan tracks, and, and really the focus of that one was just on Nick Pavetta. Uh, that I did wrote another piece this morning for Rotographs, uh, looking at some weird looking walk rates for pitchers. So a few pitchers there that I want to get your take on, and then I also I got a question on Twitter um, about Marcus Simeon. I think the question was dropping uh, Zach Cozart for Simeon. And my, my gut reaction was that, you know, well, this is probably at best a, a lateral move. But I have to admit, I didn't realize Marcus Simeon's already scored 20 runs. And so I thought, well, what other players have been producing runs at, at a pretty unusual rate? Because, you know, remember, we're not even one-sixth through the season mm-hmm. so far. So that means Marcus Simeon's on a one, you know, 120 run plus pace. Um, you know, so it's fun to look at, at the, you know, the season uh to end pace for a lot of players. But we'll we'll get back to that one. But that just that's where the uh the uh impetus for that that research came from. But Nick Pavetta, first of all, what's just what's your general impression? Cause it seems like uh there's definitely a lot of hype and good feelings right now around Pavetta. 
Uh, look, it's it's encouraging coming into this season. I remember in draft season back in like January, I was asked. I was taking Pavetta in like the 27th round or 29th round of those 50-rounder uh, draft and holds. And somebody said, you believe in Pavetta? I said, I wouldn't use the word belief, but I'm willing to speculate at, you know, this price. I'm going to need some arms. He should be in the rotation. And it's, you know, it's gone well to uh, begin the season. A strikeout per inning. You know, the, the, the key thing here is the walks, and he's really done a great job with that. Uh, so, you know, if that's something that's sustainable for him, you know, this Phillies rotation to take a huge boost with a guy like Pavetta being – look, I don't – I think he's more of like a mid-threes kind of guy for the upside. I don't think he's going to be living around here. Yes, it's encouraging. It's exciting. But I think you have to have the right expectations. Yeah, well, I mean, that Phillies rotation all of a sudden – looks pretty imposing because you've got Aaron Nola, who finally looked like Aaron Nola in his last start. Jake Arrieta, who maybe is starting to look like Jake Arrieta again. Uh, Pavetta, who, you know, with everything you said, you know, strikeout potential there. Uh, good overall performance. And Vince Velasquez, uh, not only good so far, mm-hmm. but for a guy who, uh, you know, whenever I talk about him, Pretty much every other time, it's, you know, oh, well, the walks, the walks and the homers, the homers and the walks. And his walk rate is something like 4.6% so far. So uh, that's part of the early season craziness. But uh, to get back to Pavetta, at least momentarily here, um, you you talked about the strikeouts. You talked about the walks. Um, Those are the things that I think first grab the attention Mm -hmm. of us fantasy owners. But also, he had not given up a homer until the Elias Diaz homer in the, I think it was the fifth inning on Sunday. So he started off the season with, I think it was a 26-inning streak of not giving up a homer. This is a guy who has a ground ball rate that's uh, in the low 40s, so not extremely low, but definitely not normal or high. Um, Plays home games at Citizens Bank Park. And it's not necessarily a coincidence because he has only allowed one pulled fly ball all season so far. The only other player to be as good in that regard is Jose Barrios. And this is amazing to me, Matt. Nobody has hit a pulled fly ball against Jose Barrios wow. yet this that, season. Yeah. That is uh, damn impressive, I have to say. <laughs> but one thing we do got to take into consideration this is the first month, it's been extremely cold. Uh, in the eastern Midwest uh, states, it's going to warm up. Hitters are going to hit. You're going to see you know, certain pitchers. Nobody, not everybody's going to be this good. <laughs> All right. No, that's right. And, and, you know, I mean, I wasn't, like, deliberately setting a trap or anything. But <laughs> um, if you go back to the beginning of last year, so much bigger sample, Pavetta has the lowest pulled fly ball rate of any pitcher who over that period has allowed 125 fly balls or more. So that's a, a pretty big sample. The only pitcher with a better rate than him is Steven Strasburg. Wow. That's, you know, that's a bigger sample right there. That looks pretty good. I, like I said, I think his potential rest of the season could be a mid threes. Look, maybe the pitch is three, seven, three, eight rest of the year. That's a, that's yeah. a good pitcher in, in today's baseball. I'm looking here. I just pulled up his fan graphs page, and if I look at the steamer, zips, the bat, all these things, they got him rest of the season for like a 420, 430 year rate. I think he's better than that. 
I absolutely agree. And after doing the research on the pole fly ball rates, and again, it's a large enough sample that I, I think this is just a skill that Pavetta has. Um, somebody he looks very close to in terms of the home park environment, in terms of hard contact, is Jay Happ. So when you talk about a mid-threes ERA, there you go. Like, I, I think that's maybe not even that, – that might even be, like, sort of leaning towards a worst-case scenario. Like, if, if he continues to be this extreme with, with uh, avoiding pulled fly balls, um, he could be better than Jay Happ. Yeah, and look, Jay Happ, the last three years entering the season, had a 350-ish ERA over that span, like 500 innings. <clears throat> he had a, almost a strikeout per, uh, per inning and a walks under 2.7. So that's not that bad. Yep. The one thing with Pavetta, I know this mastery of the pulled ball and stuff. He gave up almost 20% fly balls last year. It's going to be less than that. I mean, I'm willing to see that come down and normalize a bit. But and right now, as you said, he's only given up the one. And it's, it's going to increase. It can only go up. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and for Jose Barrios, too, by the way. hes I don't think he's going to make it through the whole season. Although that seems to be a skill for him, too, which is part of why I, I just think he's awesome because he's a whole package, too, in terms of strikeouts, good control, and, and all that. And one walk um, only on the season. That's pretty impressive. That's amazing. Yeah, amazing. And, and I, you know, I've got a little bit of doubt about Pavetta in terms of maintaining both the strikeout and the mm-hmm. walk rates. I Yeah, I mean, okay. Yeah, uh, Brios is going to you know walk a few guys, but I, I think he'll be pretty elite in that regard um, over the course of the season. Uh, and, and I alluded to Vince Velasquez in the Phillies rotation, the fact that he hasn't walked many uh, many people. And um, I don't remember. I don't know if it was him, but somebody got me thinking about uh, some of the walk rates that we're looking at right now that just really don't look right. Uh, James Paxton has a walk rate, uh, I think around 11 or 12%. Brandon McCarthy, same thing. You don't think, I certainly don't think of McCarthy mm-hmm. as like a, a, a guy who's got control problems. Uh, we've talked quite a bit on the show about Ronaldo Lopez, and, and, and he does have some control issues, um, but his walk rate is is pretty astronomical. And Luis Castillo is verging on uh, a 10% walk rate. And so what I did was I took a look at the percentage of times that pitchers, not just the guys I'm talking about, but every qualified pitcher in the majors, uh, how often they they locate in the zone, and then how often they're able to get uh, batters to swing at the pitches that miss the zone. Because obviously both of those things are very critical to keeping your walk rate down. And uh, it, 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 those pitchers that I mentioned, Paxton, McCarthy, Lopez, Castillo, it seems like they're all due for better times ahead as far as their walk rate is concerned. So um, does this concern you for, for any of them? Or, or, you know, do you think we can, you know, after this small sample of not even quite four weeks, uh, you know, we can look for each of those pitchers to improve their walk rates and improve their whips? I mean, Paxton, McCarthy, I'm not really worried about. Castillo, he had that great performance that was last Monday night versus Milwaukee. They kept him in an inning too long. And that was like Jorge uh, Jorge Lopez, a pitcher, got like a double. But I watched Sunday, and look, he get, the changeup is still that straight filth. But he's got a he's getting swing and misses. But but maybe he's throw, like his first pitch strike has gone up a bit from up to like around sixty percent or just over, which is like league average. But maybe he's a little better off not throwing, or maybe a little less 
to what he had last year is better for his game. I'm trying to figure that out. I think he does figure it out and get better here. So I'm really not concerned about any of these arms. No, I'm not either. I think Castillo's a really good buy low right now because the only thing that doesn't look great for him is the exit velocity on the balls that he's allowing. But I just think he's going to miss enough bats. In fact, even though his velocity is down, his swinging strike rate is is about two points higher than it was last they year. They mentioned so. something on the broadcast about on one of his pitches. I forget exactly what it was. And his arm slot, he was moving it a little different. He wanted it a little lower. Uh, that could huh. be something to continue to monitor. And I know I'm, I have him in a couple spots. I'll be looking at that next time. But real quick, the we, we talked about the Phillies. Jake Arietta. I got to say, I was anti-Arietta. But if his pitches are going to move the way it moved that last start, the second start he had, that was, uh, I mean, that ball was dancing. Yeah, no, I mean, like I said, both he and Nola seem like they've, you know, turned the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they're at least in their most recent starts. So, yeah, I, you know, that's uh, uh, super encouraging for those guys to be sure. Um, I, I want to get to so, so the guys I mentioned, you know, really in terms of walk rate and whip have underachieved so far. Uh, I noticed an interesting pattern now. Zach Grink, Zach Granke has a very sort of distinct and peculiar profile, and that he's somebody who for, for a long time now has has not had very good control. But yet it doesn't really show up in his stats uh, because he gets tons of swings on bad pitches. Uh, you know, tends to work work the edges and uh, get batters to chase. And we've got three other pitchers now that are kind of mimicking that profile. And they're, they're sort of surprising me. One is Patrick Corbin. And, of course, he's having a huge breakout so far. So he's kind of following that formula of not pitching much in the zone at all, but managing to deceive uh, batters. Noah Syndergaard, I mean, that one's really surprising to me because this is somebody who's always had pretty good control, really good control, and all of a sudden he's not pitching in the zone that much. And then Alex Wood, who I think I I talked about uh, on a a recent show, I think maybe even our show last week, and he's having a very peculiar season, but, you know, not not pitching with great control, but, you know, getting away with it. Uh, So, you know, any concerns there for, for Corbin, Syndergaard, and Wood, um, not pitching in the zone very much. Uh, the, what, Syndergaard, I'm not worried because I did do a tweet earlier today. The two pitchers that have sub uh, uh, two XFIPs, it's Syndergaard and Corbin. But the thing with Corbin is he's got a 200 BABIP and an 85% left on base. Uh, and Syndergaard's pretty much the flip side here. And he has that power stuff that he can live in the zone if need be. And his BABIP is like 330, and his left on base is below 70%. So you can see the difference. Look, Corbin's been great. Throw that slider as much as possible, you know, the ground ball percentage and all that. But he will get a correction that will come uh, sooner than later. He's not going to be this good throughout the season. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's – Points very well taken with Corbin. And, you know, the thing is that I think even with, you know, he's got a lot of room to regress. He's still going to be, I mean, the strikeouts should yeah. still be there. Right. But the key, the key is, you know, are batters going to continue to chase or are they going to adjust? And, you know, is he going to have to go back maybe to, to giving them better pitches to hit? But on that same note, Johnny Cueto, um, he it's not really the same pattern where he's not pitching in the zone a lot. His control has actually 
perfectly fine. Um, but he, he's got a very, very low walk rate, and it, it's really hard to explain it. So you talk about pitchers that uh, are doing well. Uh, you know, Cueto's certainly doing well, and yet he's got the high strand rate. He's got the low BABIP. Uh, he's got the low home run rate, which is aided somewhat by AT&T Park. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is a guy who, in every regard, including the walk rate, seems like uh, he, he could crater. And look, there's always that potential, like when you look at these kind of numbers and stuff. The one thing I will say about uh, Johnny Cueto is when healthy, he seems to always outpitch his peripherals. He's just a guy that knows how to pitch. And, I mean, obviously, I think he's got like an 039 ERA, and I know that because I own him in a couple spots, and <laughs> I watched that Sunday performance, so it's it's fresh in my mind. Yeah, he's going to pull back, but, I mean, he's somebody that if their owner doesn't believe – uh, and you can get him at a reasonable price. I'm buying Cueto. Well, you know that's the, I, I will agree that he's somebody who does know how to pitch, and he's he's inducing a lot of soft contact. So I figure if nothing else, he can certainly rely on that. Uh, you know, so uh, you know, good points all around uh, as far as Cueto is concerned. So we got to go to break. I still want to talk about some of these offensive overachievers, and also take a look at some of Monday's standouts. So we'll be right back. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone, we promise. No weird viruses. No strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour, the Tuesdays with Modica edition. Uh, so Matt Modica with me here. Uh, we have got some uh, run production overachievers to uh, talk about. We've got some performances for Monday to talk about. And we've got some uh, lineup information to talk about. Uh, Chris Bryant not in the Cubs lineup, but apparently uh, the plan is that he'll be back tomorrow. Um, so that is some very good news uh, that uh, coming from Kerry Musket of uh, MLB.com. And uh, so you got uh, Tommy Listella at third base for the uh, the Cubs. I'm just glancing here to see if there's anything else. Uh, God bless Tommy Listella and how he's got this career with the Cubs. He said like a year ago he'll only play for the Cubs yeah. and stuff. And Madden loves him, so hey. Yeah, almost retired. So, <laughs> yep, and uh, starting tonight, but looks like a short, short deal term deal for him. Uh, and other big news: uh, the Royals have activated Sal Perez from the DL. So, I'm one for two in terms of uh, some lineup decisions because I did start Perez this week. Uh, it'll be pretty, pretty crappy for me though if. Uh, Christian Villanueva misses more time than Chris Bryant. I don't want Chris Bryant to be missing time. Don't get me wrong. But uh, as far as lineup decisions go, one not looking optimal at this point. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Sal Perez back for the Royals. I don't think their whole lineup is – I don't even know if he's starting, actually. But just uh, – yeah, they don't even have a lineup out yet. So I would assume Perez is starting. But, you know, it happens when you assume. 
Yeah, well, they need that, they need that bat net lineup, so I'd have to think <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, uh, and a whole bunch of lineups that I don't want to uh, spend too much time here, uh, but I will just mention that one of those lineups that's out is the Phillies, and since that's uh, you know kind of uh, 52 pickup every day, it's always worth checking in, and Pedro Florimon starting at short, so uh, no J.P. Crawford, Scott Kingery in right field, uh, Hoskins in left, Altair in center, so no uh, Nick Williams and no Odubel Herrera. Let's see if there's any other strangeness here. That would appear to be it for the Phillies. So, all right, uh, speaking uh, – let me make sure I'm making the, the transition right. Yes, okay, I remember this correctly. Speaking of the Phillies, Michael Franco has driven in 17 runs already even though he's not been, you know, extremely good in terms of getting on base. I mean, not a bad start for Franco, but that one surprises me a bit. Denard Span with 17 RBI. Preston Tucker with 18. Um, now obviously, with Tucker, there's the questions of, of how, how long his shelf life is, but uh, does this intrigue you for, for any of these three or uh, – Really, just small sample weirdness. Uh, well, I mean, with Franco, he's going to usually be in a spot where he can get those RBIs. Uh, I kind of, you know, took him in some spots as as a bounce back kind of guy. That ballpark, you got to like. He's still only twenty five. The one that sticks out to me more so is Denard Span with seventeen RBIs. Uh, I think Preston Tucker is possibly more real than anything. It's just this situation is getting very cluttered in Atlanta. Yeah, well, we're going to talk a little bit about um, Nick Markakis later on because Homer yesterday and actually having a, a very good start to the season and, and making uh, a real headache for us as fantasy owners. And uh, three other names to uh, just think about in terms of run production. Marcus Simeon, the player who actually started this this whole little bit for me, uh, has scored 20 runs already. Leonis Martin, he's leading off for the Tigers, but still I would not have predicted he'd have uh, 15 runs at this point. And Jose Perella, 15 runs. Uh, and at least uh, Martin is getting on base at a, a, not a great, but a decent clip, I think, in the 340s. But Perella's uh, OBP isn't even that high. So uh, are, are Simeon, Martin, Perella, do you see any of them as, as sell-high candidates? Uh, well, I, I wouldn't want to. I don't think I don't think Simeon's a sell-high candidate. I think he's a guy that you kind of want to have on your team. You get him late. He's got power. And speed, and if he's going to score a ton of runs with like the Chapmans and the Olsons in that lineup, I don't. I think he, I, I'm not selling him high. You know, Martin maybe, but who's going to play center field for them? If they're going to bat him up there, why? You know, it all depends on what you're selling high for. I mean, who's really believing in Martin? And I think Perella is not a bad player. No, I don't either. I expect actually, you know, he may improve the OBP and, you know, come around to, I don't know, not necessarily this kind of run scoring pace. I mean, we're talking, you know, between 90 and 100 runs at this pace, but, um, you know, but but be pretty steadily productive as long as he stays in the lineup because they, they do have that roster crunch. Yeah, I mean, I always look at when we talk about, like, selling high and stuff like that, like the baseball cards, like the past, like, oh, this guy was valued at this. He's valued at that if you can get that price, but there's a good chance you're not getting that price that's in the book. You know, unless it's like some like rare commodity. Right, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I just want to, in the service of making a very rough transition here, <laughs> I want to go back to news, like, just because it's something that caught my eye here. Um, that looks like Manny Pena is also going to get activated. So all oh, kinds awesome. of catchers. Awesome. Yes. All right. Made, made both of us happy. Yes, it did. So it's not, ofi- not official yet, but according to Tom uh, Hodricourt of uh, this Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, uh, that is the plan. So I guess his calf is is doing I, well, well I, enough. I didn't realize how many shares of Manny Pena I had. It's more like draft champions as well. But he's just a guy that he's not great or anything, but he doesn't really hurt you. So in a two-catcher league, it's those guys that don't hurt you as your second catcher, they're a lot more beneficial than you think. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, for, I was going to say for catching, that's super high praise to say that somebody's not going to hurt you. So I, I, I agree. I have the, the same, you know, tempered enthusiasm for, for Manny Pena. All right. Well, let's uh, take a look at some of the notable performances on a smallish slate from Monday, uh, but some good performances on, on both sides of the ball. Uh, Tyler Skaggs. With another really good start, although one without a whole lot of, of strikeouts, but you know it's the Houston Astros mm-hmm. uh, didn't allow them to score over seven innings, only four hits, only one walk, uh, also only three strikeouts for Skaggs. So uh, just a, a very quick addition here of is it the pitcher or the matchup? Uh, the Astros, as one would expect, are among the league leaders in contact rate, uh, and Skaggs had a 23% strikeout rate before that game against the Astros. So who do we blame here for three strikeouts? Uh, you know what? I think it was just a well-pitched game by Skaggs. You know, we all want the strikeouts, but he wouldn't have gone the se- going the seven innings. Maybe he doesn't get that seventh inning if he's striking people out. So I, I'm going to look at it as just a matchup and how well he did against possibly the best lineup in Major League Baseball. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. That uh, yeah, it, that maybe uh, helped his efficiency, and uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm encouraged by the the good strikeout rate in his previous starts. So, and that was uh, a great game to watch. It was Garrett Cole versus him. It was a great game to watch. Yeah, yeah. and I didn't put Garrett Cole in the notes because that's just a, a given already now. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, he's going to be awesome when he pu- puts up a stinker. Then then we'll talk about him. Uh, Walker Bueller with this season debut uh, for the Dodgers. It was a good one. Uh, no runs in five innings, uh, five strikeouts, uh, four hits, three walks against a Marlins lineup that, yes, yeah, not very good, but uh, Bueller throwing some gas and look, looking sharp. Yeah, I only got to see the highlights. I had to watch the uh, Fish Sex movie Shape of Water with my wife last night. So after the Garrett Cole's game was over, I went to that. But, I mean, this kid's promising. It's just a matter of time when he will be a staple in this rotation, and it's going to happen sometime this year. I do hope he gets that second start in San Francisco. They do have a doubleheader on Saturday, so I'm hoping he sticks around, gets one more start this week, and he's a guy that if you pick him up, don't drop him. Keep him on your bench as a stash. Yeah, it's it's hard to see how he stays down. It's it's, it's hard to see how they necessarily put him in the bullpen either. But uh, who, I mean, you know, you could always uh, have, you know, a rich, I mean, Rich Hill's on the deal right now, but, you know, he, he's a health risk. Alex Wood has had his, his uh, history with injuries. But assuming everybody stays healthy, what do you think might be the path for Bueller to stay in the rotation? Uh, I mean, everybody staying healthy, I don't know, but I, I just can't honestly see that when I look at Ryu, Wood, Hill. You know, these guys are all 130-inning guys. So at some point, the opening's going to come. And the Dodgers had him pitch out of the bullpen last year. So 
you know, I know he was coming back from a Tommy John from from a couple of years ago, but I I think he's pretty much ready. I think the Dodgers believe he's ready, and I'm very excited about him. And I'm over the moon about Alex Verdugo just to sidetrack for a moment because he's another guy that's coming for them. So let's let's clog up the outfield as well while we're. Well, no, I think he's going to become their everyday left fielder at some point. That's right. I mean, it's not, yeah, not, well, I mean, Kemp has played very well so you know, far, no, That's but, what I'm saying. Yeah. Kemp has played very well. I mean, the guy lost, like, what, 50 pounds last year? But I don't think this is going to sustain. We know what Jock Peterson is. This kid, they said last year he had the hit tool. He was ready. And now he's hitting for power. He's batting, like, 360, 370. I mean, he's just a stud. Yep. Well, and Cody Bellinger wasn't supposed to be up till September exactly. last year either, so... Mm-hmm. Never say never. Uh, I my personal theory about Bueller is that uh, Kent Maeda goes to the bullpen. You know what? I, I think that, yeah. That, there you go. That's the guy I forgot. I, I think you're right there, Al. I think Maeda's shown that you know maybe he he's the guy that can do that kind of thing for them, and he does it pretty well. So I think that's an excellent point. Oh well, thank you very much. Uh, the other pitcher, starting pitcher in that game, uh, Harlan Garcia, another good one for him. I was not at all uh, excited about his previous starts, uh, despite the, the almost complete lack of hits. Uh, just looked like smoke and mirrors. But this one, he got seven strikeouts in six innings, only allowing the one run against the Dodgers. So any interest now in Harlan Garcia? I'm exactly like everything you just said. My sentiments <laughs> were exact. But now you have to take some notice here. Uh, it looked like a bunch of smoke and mirrors. It looked like a bunch of regression was going to come in in a tornado-type tsunami form. But, you know, maybe we're wrong. Maybe we're not wrong. But at some point, you got to be willing to maybe at least roster and see if this is real. Yeah, I, I think that's the appropriate move. Not in a 12-teamer, but I think 14-15-team. No, no, no. You, you, you try to find the spot. Um, and just a, a side note here in relief, uh, Tehran Guerrero, who I've mentioned once or twice already this season because he's just getting a whole bunch of strikeouts. But lately, he's just been better overall uh, against the Dodgers. He struck out the side. He did walk one batter. So I know people have different opinions about using that expression uh, if it's not a perfect inning. But uh, I'm going with it. <laughs> Three strikeouts <laughs> in the inning. And over his last five appearances, five and a third innings, no runs, only two hits. He has walked five batters. That's been pretty much a constant for Guerrero. 13 strikeouts in five and a third innings. And um, Greg Jewett, frequent uh, uh, Good man, visitor Jewett. on the show. And, uh, yeah, he was here uh, yesterday, and I had a conversation uh, with Greg this morning and talking about Guerrero because he wrote him up uh, on Rotographs. And, you know, I said, first of all, way to give Tehran Guerrero some love. <laughs> but he said, you know, what if the Marlins decide that it's smarter to trade Steckin Ryder or Bearclaw than Ziegler? And I was like, oh, that's an interesting thought. So, you know, maybe Guerrero – could get some saves down the road. Oh, uh, that is an interesting thought. I think that the one of the two that doesn't get traded, uh, I don't think they give up both. I think Bearclaw, they'd be more willing to trade. Bearclaw's uh, control this year has been pretty damn impressive. Uh, all things considered to how he was walking like five per nine the last two. But this Guerrero kid, when you strike out 13 of 16 outs, that's, you know, that's something you need to take notice with. So anything's possible. I don't think Ziegler, I don't think they're going to be long for keeping Ziegler as the closer because he's not going to have any more trade value if he's closing for them or if he's not. Teams know who Brad Ziegler is, and they just (laughs) want to, you know, they're willing. Anybody that's going to take some money off their hands for him, that's where he's going to go. 
Yeah, that's he's yeah very well established. So uh, that's really a good point. Uh, one other pitcher here, just take note of Kevin Gosman. Seems like I've all I've read about him this season has really been negative, but he's now put up three straight quality starts uh, on Monday against the Indians. Eight innings, two runs on four hits and a walk with seven Ks. So I, you know, last year I missed my window to buy low on him. Looks like mm-hmm. I think I've, I've I've missed it again. Yeah, I, I think that's the case. I mean. He's just a guy that you, you got to give him some credit now. And I know that first start of the season did not go well. But even last night, like Caleb Joseph, when there's a stat, when Caleb Joseph catches him, like his ERA with him and without is so drastic. And he didn't have jo- Joseph last night. It was versus the Indians and stuff. And, you know, people, you, you got to give credit where credit is due. It was a great performance two runs, seven strikeouts, one walk. You know, so let's instead of killing this guy all the time, let's look what this guy's done towards the uh, last few months of last year and now into this year. It's things have gotten a lot better. Yeah, no, I think so. I think the you know the bad starts have definitely gotten overblown. Uh, we got just a couple minutes here to break down a few of the hitting performances, and you know, fortunately, I don't think there's a, a lot to you know a lot of mysteries here to unravel <laughs> because you had uh, Jose Abreu uh, with two home runs and a four hit game against the Mariners. We know he's awesome. Yohan uh, Mankata, a single short of the cycle. Maybe there's a little bit more to talk about with him, uh, so we can maybe circle back to him in a minute. Well, Myers with the four-hit game, including his first two doubles of the season, and that was a course field. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton, I mean, maybe that's newsworthy that he's four for four with the homer, but uh, whenever I talk about Stanton, I talk about the fact that he's he's just streaky, and mm-hmm. hopefully this is the sign of him going off on, on another one of his trademark binges. Uh Didi Gregorius with a grand slam. He's now got seven homers on the year. Um, you know, I've talked again and again about being mystified by him. I'll continue to be mystified. And uh, so I think really the two players that we could focus on here in the last uh, two minutes or so, Moncada and also, as I mentioned earlier in the show, Nick Markakis with a three-hit game and his uh, third home run on the season, batting 301. So starting with Moncada, uh, what's your thought on his season so far? Uh, I really liked Moncada coming in. I got him in a couple of big spots. Look, the average is not going to be 280 or anything like that that you want, but and the batting averages are like around 240 now. Uh, his game is going to be, you know, speed and homers. He's got that pop in his bat. I, I think he's going to be a really exciting player the rest of the season. If you can still get a chance to get him, get him now. But that window might have shut. And Markakis, to me, he's like uh, the term I'll use for him is a hemorrhoid because he's kind of a pain in all the fantasy people, players, you know what, with uh, Acuna and Preston Tucker because he's not going away. Much, much like a hemorrhoid. So, uh, <laughs> Nick, Markank- Nick Markakis, fantasy hemorrhoid. That is the perfect place for us to say goodbye. And... Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to leave it there. So, uh, Matt, thank you so much for that contribution to many others on today's show. Always a looking pleasure. Forward all, looking forward already to the next Tuesday with Modica. So, uh, with that said, enjoy uh, a uh, nice full slate of baseball games. Hopefully, if the weather doesn't get in the way, 